This is Colossus, and you're listening to The High Regard Show. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is The High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, don't get better than that. Nope, sir. The things we do for you listeners. Press buttons like a sausage-fingered freak. We don't listen to Tom talk enough. Oh, please. I got a hot mic here. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. Uh, just to give you a little bit of what's happening behind the scenes right now, our little in-house studio manager at Kona the Persona, the pig bull she is, decided it was playtime just as we just <laughs> hit the record buttons tonight. She went from being comatose to as soon as we sat down at the table to just, oh, it's playtime. You ain't kidding. We have a lot of... A lot of stuff to cover today. We sure do, Tom. So why don't we get cracking? All right. You want to um, start with a you heard, perhaps? I would love nothing more. All right, then get to it. You heard? This week's You Heard comes to us from a Manhattan-bound J-train at Flushing Avenue. Okay. These two kids get on the train, and this old woman that's sitting there gives them the side eye and goes, Garbage crew. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she had a problem with everybody, but she just looked at them and just goes, Garbage crew. Do you think old people are getting meaner yeah. than what they were? And I mean, I thought, you know, there were times where I thought my grandmother was, like, mean. There was points where I thought my uncles were, like, the Same, meanest yeah. people on earth. And I was like, man, but now I'm walking past complete strangers and thinking they are literally more mean than anybody I have ever known. And that's just from passing them on the street. Honestly, it's true. It's totally true. And I thought, you know, my grandmother, I I have described on a number of occasions, my grandmother as just a hundred percent pure evil. Mm -hmm. But I think she truly was. And I just think like the other people are just mean. What's the difference? I don't know. Like she was just like, she took like the mean to like the nth level. Like the nth degree. She was nth degree mean. All right. I mean, I feel like, you know, when you're walking past a woman on the street and she doesn't know you and she just calls you fat out of the blue for no oh reason, my God, that's pretty mean. Oh my God, why would you even bring that <laughs> because up? Because I'm saying that these are old people acting like, I would never animals. act something They're like acting this. like goddamn really animals. Like animals. Feral old people out on the streets. This is what our podcast is going to be about. Why aren't we like... Taking them down? Why aren't we taking them away? No. Putting them onto the island, wherever people like that Put have to go. Put them on boats. <laughs> get, them, get them out of the country. <laughs> so, no, this is not what the show is going to be about. <laughs> In fact, why don't we wrap up this week's You Heard and... <laughs> go into what this show is actually about. It's just going to be AMSR noise of Kona dropping her bone, digging in the corner, squeaking her squeaker, looking at me as I'm talking about her. 
Uh, but she's you're welcome. <laughs> apparently set off at, by something. She's set off by something. But could it be that yeah. you had like a box full of fries and didn't share them with her? Or could it be that your herd is now over? Oh, I see how it is. Okay, fair enough. And speaking of your herd, yes. I heard it's your birthday. (laughs) It was my birthday. It was your birthday, Tom. How was your birthday? My birthday was absolutely fantastic. I know it was. Yes. Yes. And it's a lot, a lot of stuff to go over. I mean, I, I, seriously, it's a lot. But. And I can't wait to get into it. I can't wait. Yeah, especially some of the crazy Atlanta stuff. But before... <laughs> the redacted stuff. <laughs> yes. It'll all get out. It'll all get out. But before it, it does... It always does. I know it does. <laughs> before it does, let's focus because we have an actual guest that we have we to get to. We do have an actual so we guest. we cannot go into, you know, these moments of debauchery and mayhem and all that other good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> It is true. So why don't I lead us into this week's interview, which happens to be with trans actor Becca Blackwell, who is bringing her one-person tragicomedy to Joe's Pub right here in NYC on the 22nd. Okay. So Becca, you know, they, she goes by the pronoun they. Okay. They are very funny, and we had a delightful very lengthy conversation recently about the show, about the her influences, about, you know, what's inspired the show. But the show is called They, Themselves, and Shmerm, which happens to be the sound that cis people make when they're when they're they learn that, you know, a pronoun like is they instead of she, he, you know, because it's it's gen it's a it's a gender it's a gender term. Okay. So it's like that sound that you make. They're like, oh, they sh- sh- sh-, because everybody's on kind of, you know, they're on like high alert of making sure that they don't say things wrong. So you know, it's a really f- but it's a really funny show, and it's being described as part classic stand up comedy special and part teen zine vomit confessional. Okay. <laughs> which is really funny and you know i watch a couple clips of you know parts of things that have inspired this show and it's very funny and becca has a really great way of kind of talking about some horrifically horrible things in a really funny way including their trans their transition and you know just kind of life that led up to this point which included a recent stint on shameless before, well, that in itself is yeah. very impressive. I mean, yeah. holy cow. For any, all right, let, let me ask you a question because I have to ask you. I have to ask you. And Please I know do. I have to tread lightly because, I mean, I can be in a lot of trouble no matter what I say for the most right. part, right? But as, and I'm going to just outright say, a person uneducated, <laughs> right? The truth comes out. To all situations. <laughs> You're a hermit, so when, I mean, uh, it's seriously, it's true. I really, 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 you honestly, really don't go out. No, I you mean, don't. You're uh, shut in. I don't. I don't. I mean, you know. Anyway, get to the question. When, when did they become a thing? Because, because I know you and I first heard the term, like on an episode of the Detour. 
Right, yeah. And, and I was like, I don't understand what the hell this kid is talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't because know. Because it just didn't fit in the sentences that he was saying. Right. And then after a while, we figured it out. And then it was like going, oh, it's a thing. And then after you had done the interview, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, it's definitely a right, term yeah. that's being used. Like, Yeah, I had been aware that, you know, they was a pronoun okay. that some people do prefer just because they don't want to you know, kind of be identified by a specific gender. They're just, I'm a human, I'm a they, I'm a there. Like, you know what I mean? So it's just like... I feel like that's the majority of people I, I know. Seriously. Like, yeah, even. like, honestly, like, it's just... And, and it's like, I yeah, like, I don't give a shit who anybody is. I don't care anything about you. Are you nice when I'm talking to you? Are you a kind person? That's all that fucking matters to me. You know right. what I mean? So, yeah, but I, I know that this has been for a while, you know, as... Because I've been covering the like the chan- the transgender, you know, pol- political things and, and and stuff. I've been I've been covering right, this right, for right, a right, really right. long time now. Right. And, you know, I, I know it's always been there, but it's not that common, you know? And I think this is a really funny thing because it's like pl- making fun of kind of how uncomfortable says people get when you know they, they have when they find out that someone that they're talking to happens to be transgender because you you are walking like on eggshells because you don't want to offend somebody you don't want to use something because we're we're all uneducated about this so you know and i think this is a really good way and i think using humor we've talked about this before like through the election the horror shit show that that was and everything how humor is a way of coping and it's also a really good tool for education as well. And I think that a lot of people are going to get this out of Becca's show at the at Joe's theater. So All why right. don't we let they take it away? Absolutely. so much for coming on the high regard show we really appreciate it can you start off by telling me a little bit about how they themselves and Sherm come about did i pronounce that right yes it's basically what uh people kind of do when they're not sure what gender to refer to me as sure which is like a like, yeah, my friend Jess Barbagallo kind of said, like, put all the pronouns in a blender, add social anxiety, and voila. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, and now that we've got that out of the way, um, how, how did the show come about? Well, I, I have... Was ah uh, gosh I, I guess my, I, uh, I you know I've been an actor in New York City for um, over twenty years and um, there wasn't a, there there hasn't been a lot of uh, representation of like um, um, <clears throat> masculine women or trans gender nonconforming masculinity uh, ever really um, right. and I. You know, the business is pretty shitty, so I've never, you know, I, and I have a generation that's different. Like, you have a bunch of 28-year-olds now and younger that are kind of, like, more kind of vocal and insistent and creating platforms on a different level. And <clears throat> I've just been in the business so long that I'm like, oh, it's hard for anyone in the business. Right. And um, it's just a, it's a, it's a tough business. And, you know, and also... 
you know, it's like talent and luck and all the things kind of always seem to have to set in for things to happen, it seems. Um, yeah, and that's just the reality of it. It's it's a really hard business for, like, a gorgeous, straight, white man who's six feet tall, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that's, like, no, yeah. kickers of, like, you know, um, privilege, and it's hard for them. It's just a shitty business, you know? Right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I and I, you know, people are like, "How did you do it?" And I was like, "I don't know. I actually don't know how I did it. I don't. I, I sit back <laughs> on my entire twenties and early thirties, and I was like, I don't know. I didn't have a platform to like vent and cry about it on social media, and then give everyone my Venmo and PayPal accounts, being like, if you care about artists, put money. Like I'm always shocked when I see that. And I was like, damn." I didn't even have that option. <laughs> right, yeah. I know. It's just crazy because everyone acts, you know, and I, it, it, everyone acts shocked at how, A, hard it is to live in New York City, how expensive it is, and then trying to be an artist on top of that. I was like, it's just, it's it's really hard. Also, New York is more expensive than it used to be, but New York's always been more expensive than anywhere else. And, right, exactly. Um, but that's just the that's the. I, I, you know, I, I don't really, there's, you have to unpackage a lot of different aspects of it. Right. But right. there is more, there are way more platforms for marginalized people across the board, you know, than there ever were. You know, I knew some incredibly talented actors of color that in the 90s just basically were like, no, I'm not doing this. Like, fuck this. Like, I'm only being sent out for like, you know, Thugs and Aunt Jemima commercials, and right, right. I was trained in Shakespeare. You know, what I mean? like I don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think you know, and, and and that was just particularly in the African American community. Like there was not even any representation really of like Latinos, Asians, you know, like anyone of like you know uh, Asian Indian descent, like being that. Like there's no, there was no. Um, so I don't know. It was you know. But again, it's just like how our grandparents were like, I walked uphill both ways, you know. You don't, <laughs> you don't know poor, you know, poor you is having a phone, you know. It's just like, you know, it's just how Right, exactly, exactly. But how, I mean, how it came about, like, I have been always like, oh, you should write your own stuff because you're never going to see yourself represented unless you write your own stuff. Um, that's kind of what my friend Michelle Mack, who, that's what she did. Uh, she you know, it was an uh, African-American woman. And again, she was the one who only, who would get sent out on Aunt Jemima commercials and was just like, what? And wrote a show called The Mammy Project in 2004. And, you know, and that was um, kind of her way of dealing with a lot of that kind of bullshit discrepancy. And also it gave her a platform as a performer and um, she ended up like touring the show and, you know, able to make coin and like kind of like deal with the, you know, discrimination history. Like right. she really got into history of like what the man was and how to that. You know, and was able kind of like to speak on it as a black woman, to speak on it as a queer person, to speak on it as like an actor. Right. You know, like all these things. It was really great. And 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 I remember her kind. Of, we were in the circus together. She's a dear friend of mine. She was really like, you just got to do it. And I just realized like, oh, I don't, I don't know what to write about. Like I, you know, like. I wasn't that interested in coining or claiming my queerdom in this way that was my identity. Right. Um, 
I, I, that also is very new to me. Like everyone kind of, and I think that's a white person thing of wanting to feel uh, a little more <laughs> like, you know, but I mean, I, that's, I mean, that's not true. That's, that's just, um, I mean, I think there's a little bit of like a, if I walk into a room and there's all straight people, I definitely don't want to be in that room for more than what I have to be in that room. <laughs> right. I can but, imagine. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that a lot of people feel that way. If they're in, they're like, you know, if there's not someone who I feel like somehow connected to on some level, I want to, you know. Um, so, yes, I, 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 but I didn't really think of it as like an identity uh, because, I mean, being gay or queer or whatever uh, before was, it was more survival. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. Like, um, right. No, I get it. Yeah. And, and, and so I think, um, Shmurm came about because, uh, because uh, after just kind of years of like doing small shows and like I you couldn't I couldn't I, I couldn't make a living as an actor. Theater pays incredibly shitty, and um, I wasn't doing Broadway because there there wouldn't even be a part for me on Broadway. And I don't I, I've never had an agent or a manager. Um, because there would be no parts for me to send to send me out on, and right. and I think it just kind of came down. I mean, it was always in the back of my mind, like I should do this. And and I, my partner Aaron Markey, once was like, you know, just like find like some like you know go down a rabbit hole and just like stuff where you're interested in and just kind of see if there's something that speaks to you. And she's kind of prolific in making her own work and. Um, I just went down a rabbit hole of like child molestation, Hollywood, Illuminati, like really dark right. stuff. So that's kind of what I was really interested in. Drug abuse. Like I'm always really curious about like, what makes people want to do harmful things to themselves because I always felt a little bit teetering on kind of like always wanting to do a little like damage, right. but, but always feeling a little bit like I'm not, you know, like always kind of holding on to like also like, no, I want to, I do care about myself and stuff. But it was always, so I was always very fascinated with people who like went all the way to become, you know, meth heads or heroin addicts and like what. Right. And so I, I, I just was stumbling upon all these like, you know, videos and I came across Corey Haynes, me, myself and I, that he did like as a PR stunt in like 1988 or nine or something. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so uncomfortable and fascinating and weird and like I just found myself like kind of hovering in a corner after watching it like what was that in, in his in, 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 in the uh, like his gestures and his like way he was talking it was obvious that like he was a person of sexual abuse history because I myself was and I just recognized that and then also his own like drug use and stuff. I, I don't know. I was just more like, whoa, this is this is fascinating. And I sent it to a friend of mine, Jill Pangalo, who I didn't know too well, but I was, we'd met um she was also a performer. We met up in Provincetown during the Afterglow Festival and we just kinda hit it off as friends pretty quickly and I just sent it to her in an email and I, I can't remember but she basically was like uh, it was something like, hi, I saw this 
you're the first person that came to mind. I don't know what that means, but let's hang out. <laughs> and we did. We started talking, and then, you know, uh, uh, we just started would meet periodically, and, and she kind of was like, find a place that you can just do a really casual, free, like, reading of it, right. and then that's a due date, and then invite some people you want their feedback. And that's what we did. Like, we gave ourselves, like, I think three or so months and uh, asked Dixon Place if they had any space in the top half, which is free, and just did that. And then, you know, I, I invited like maybe 10 or 15, 20 people and people I wanted, I gave a shit about what they thought and it was really casual. And then they kind of were like, oh, this was interesting, that was interesting, I'm curious what you're going to do. And then... We just started kind of playing, and then eventually uh, she's like, well, you should give yourself, like, a showing of it, like, at the Wild Project. I have a connection there. And then she did. We hooked it up. I, they gave me two days in October, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of October 2015. And then by, the, by like, September, um, she was just like, you need a director. Like, we've generated all this material, but I have no idea how, like, this kind of is going to happen. And my partner, Aaron, had just worked with this woman, Ellie Heyman, uh, who had just kind of moved to New York a few months prior um, from Chicago. And Aaron was like, she's good. You should check it out. Just ask her. You know, you need someone in this next three weeks to just kind of help you pull this together. And then we did. That's what we did. And then it just it happened. We did two showings of it. Um, someone reviewed it for Bond Magazine. And then it became way more like of a snowball, like, oh, this is really good. There's this, no one's talking like this. This is like a new kind of like queer, trans, uh, you know, molested, actively insane storyboard of smorgasbord, I guess. And and then, <laughs> yeah, and it, 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 it changed since then. Like we're, I'm doing the showing I'm doing at Joe's Pub where, we we're kind of reworking it again. So it's just like, you know, so it's always kind of like an, an emotion. Right, right. And, and did you find that, like, some of it changed? With, I mean, you know, since 2015, a lot has changed in this world of ours, you know, not looking yeah. toward Washington or anything, <laughs> but looking directly there. Yeah. So did, you know, how, how has the current political climate kind of affected the show and, you know, some well, of the Trump administration's actions and stuff? Well, I think we need to, I mean, uh, I, someone said, you know, Trump is the best thing to happen to artists because all of a sudden art became more relevant, you know, under the, like, you know, there was like a kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say laziness at all, but, you know, with Obama, like it was, you know, you know, we were, there was all these things that were kind of in motion, like queer, people of color were being, not on the day-to-day, -day, but in a way, like, with legislature and laws and kind of, like... Right, right. Yeah, so art was a very different thing, and, and, and now, all of a sudden, like, I wasn't saying anything different in 2015 than I'm saying now, but under the current administration, everyone who, you know, are all of a sudden being way more like, oh, my God, you know, and I guess to someone who kind of grew up becoming as a sexual being under the Reagan administration with HIV and AIDS, I'm always looking at people like, oh, I guess you weren't even like around cognizantly to see how the government thought of gay people 
And, and right, yeah. And brown people all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. I'm yeah. like, always like, why is everyone all this? Because, because a lot of people have eight years of Obama, you know? And I mean, and as great as he was, he was hugely problematic in some of his politics. But, you know, he was seen as a liberal black man when a lot of his politics were incredibly conservative. And he dropped more drones than any other president combined. And he... You know, had some really complicated politics that, you know, when you, you know, when you look back now via the lens of Trump, even Bush looks like a nice guy. Sure. <laughs> and, and that's crazy because what he did is like insane. And like, with of people, course, yeah. You know, so, so I'm always just like, well, politicians have always, I mean, Obama was not so gay until like basically I think his daughter's kind of sat him down and schooled him, like, what the fuck, why are you, you know, why are your policies like that? Sure, sure. And so I think, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think he was ever, like, anti-gay, but anti-gay, I, I, right. I think he was pretty, like, a typical straight man that was just, like, I don't, and, and a politician, like, I'm not going to get involved in that because of my base. Right, right, of course, yeah. And you know, so bringing, you know, now that you've, you've had the show for two years and it's, it's this continual, you know, evolution, you know, what are you most excited about, you know, to bring the show home to Joe's Pub on February 22nd? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I always feel like New York's the hardest audience in a way <laughs> um, because they kind of are like, whatever, they're full of other queer artists that want to be standing around standing or with, um, you know, I mean, I don't know, because I, I haven't really figured out my, I mean, that's not true, I shouldn't say I'm not sure, I don't know what my base is, it's like, um, uh, what do I want to, I, I don't know, I mean, for me, it's it's, it's, it's a way of, of making money, because it, I'm not making it uh, as a theater actor, <laughs> but I am making it, I, I am paid more money or at least a, a, a livable wage doing these kind of performances. And there's something to be kind of said for that, you know, and then, right. and, and it also puts me, uh, it, it makes you on a radar as a different kind of context than as an actor. I mean, as an actor, you're kind of very like, beholden to like someone sending you out some audition and, sure. and all these things. Whereas if you're making your own work, you're generating an audience and then, you know, People are like, oh, I've heard of this person. I want to, you know. But I, I don't know. I don't know what is it. I mean, that's a good question. I never really, I thought this would be a one and done. Like, I thought I was just going to get this out of my system, making a solo show, and then I would move on and do something else. Like, I have, like, a bunch of other stuff that I'm kind of, like, thinking about and trying to, like, generate income to create. If I'm interested in doing, like, solo work, really. Right. I love being on stage with those people, so I really did, like, you know, this, I really, ever like, there's a, there was one thing where I, I, after a year of it, I kept being like, I, I keep seeing like, this is it, I'm just going to do this, and this, this was done. <laughs> and then, but the you know, stage is off. not done with you yet. <laughs> right, with that, with this particular show, and I think it is because it's a show that's um, humorous, and people love that. It, 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 it's the story of like I don't want to say an underdog at all, but like it's a story of someone who had maybe things that someone who had an average okay life would be like, wow, that's a lot of damaging things, and this person is still really positive and really like 
full of love and, you know, and that kind of thing. So I think there's that. Okay. So, I, you know, that's what I feel like people are responding to. And then the more that the shitty kind of thing happening with our politics, I think people are more desperate for some sort of, like, um, gravitas to that. Like, my humor has been really, really, like, uh, I don't want to say grotesque, but very, like, you know, I just fuck a lot, and I talk about genitals and and things that are just like like on a kind of twelve year old level. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't have any sort of reverence to the topic right. of like these are the ways I'm supposed to speak, and I was just like you know I didn't you know people using all these like really like academic terms about gender and non-binary and things like that. I'm kind of like I don't know. I mean. I thought I was a bad feminist if I transitioned, you know, and right. I also was worried about the fact that I didn't necessarily want to become a man because I didn't think men were that awesome in terms of what, <laughs> I mean, yes, you got more power and stuff and I wanted to play men's roles, but I didn't want to play them as like, I'm a man. I wanted to play them as like, Becca walked through the world masculine so why wouldn't I play the counter to a woman, you know? Right, but right. But people don't know, even know how to think like that because we don't think that people with vaginas can be masculine without taking a hormone that makes them look passably male. Exactly, exactly. So we, yeah, so we have to have some sort of secondary uh, sexual, uh, you know, visual clues to be like, now that's a man even I don't know what's under the under the I don't want that. You know what I mean? Instead of right, yeah. someone who might have a softer face and a smaller frame to want to uh, present without a, a fear of like uh, violence or whatever um, as a man or someone who, you know, might be able to grow a full beard but wants to like feel feminine or like, be, be able to like present as, as what we would say what women present as, you know, not that all women present the same way, you know, but right, right, right. But we do, we don't allow fluidity at all, and we freak out. I mean, I think, I think people who um, are assigned male at birth when they participate in feminine. Um, uh, behavior and dress, it makes men specifically, but uh, everyone in a way, go crazy because I I don't really understand the logic behind it. I understand the emotional stuff, but I think when it comes to logic, like who the fuck cares if that person over there wants to wear a fucking dress? Like I just right. don't understand why everyone loses their mind. But I start to realize that as someone who, before I even quote-unquote transitioned, I couldn't, if I tried to use the women's restroom, women would call security on me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Forever. In fact, it was like, it was a source of a joke pretty much from 2003 up until I finally started only using the men's restroom a few years ago. Wow. Um, Oh yeah. So, I mean, with with that, you know, and that experience, mm -hmm. you know, if you could kind of give a primer to, you know, cis folk to be like, this is how you should 
talk to the transgender community, this is, you know, like lessons, like if you could just give like three to five tips to like the transgender folks, mm-hmm. what, what, what would you, what would it be? Like, what would you say to them? So to just, because obviously, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable. They don't understand because they don't have the, the capacity to kind of open their mind, some of them. So, you know, I mean, what would you say ideally? I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to, to catalog everyone, like cis people in general. It's kind of like, that's like asking, like, what should someone of color say to the white world about that? I mean, <laughs> you can think about, like, I can think about specific people. Like, I can think about the women that freaked out on me when I was in the bathroom and they were of every race and every age and they had their personal opinion, you know, about who should be in the bathroom and what you should look like. I mean, that goes to say that, you know, we think of men as predators and men are going to rape women in bathrooms. You know, no one, men don't even look at people, other men in the restroom. Right. You know, and, and so that's why it's, it's weirdly easier to use in women, the men's restroom when you do look masculine on this way. But as a person, you know, if you're not a formidable person, you get scared in there because you don't, you're scared of men. Like, there's just something insanely kind of wild about that. Like, men are seen as these, like, uncontrollable meat carcasses that can't control their penises and their violence. I mean, that's pretty, <laughs> something about that. That's how right, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of wild. But I would think that cis people, like, you can tell when someone's in the bathroom who wants to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, I and, know what you mean. And, and, and uh, most likely, if they are even, like, let's say they are someone that they perceive no that looks like a man who's trying to dress like a woman. For the most part, if they are walking into a stall and then walking out, washing their hands and leaving, even if they look side-eyed or whatever, it's usually because they're scared. Um, but they're more scared of being in a men's restroom. Right. They'd rather get yelled at by women than physically assaulted by men. <laughs> I think I have more compassion for trans feminine and trans women because, you know, we are a world that values femininity. Um, you know, we still consider women second-class citizens, and we consider people who we think should be men who act feminine as weak and less than because we value women less. And right. so that in itself is something to unpackage, uh, you know, um, if, you know, uh, if you are someone who was assigned female at birth, you present as masculine, but maybe if you want to transition, you're just trying to like, that's your tomboy, whatever, you know, I don't know sure. what it is for using it. That tends to create panic in women because they're like, you look like a man. Why are you in here? So we assign all these like assumptions about people who, you know, it's like, you know, everyone thinks that everyone who has a any should wear a skirt and look presentable and feminine. And anyone who has an Audi, you know, should act as men. And it's, I mean, that is, I mean, you know, there's female and male. And cause I, my favorite is everyone's like, I just will say this is never an X chromosome, blah, blah, blah. I don't think anyone's refuting like what your types are. I think what it is is that, when the word man and woman is a completely social construct so that 
you know, the majority of people who are living in that construct, who I think are also affected by it in negative, in some positive ways, but also negative ways, because we tell men, I don't think, end up being raised how to deal with all their emotions. Right. And that's a lot of the reason why I think, you know, we value war because men don't know how to value vulnerability and change and flexibility and things like that because they're – I don't think just if you – you know, I don't think if you are a woman, you're immediately great at that. But I also think that – I think women are often having to do the emotional labor for men all the time, and so they just know how to do it. Right, right. So now, you know, with the show coming up on February 22nd, you were just on Shameless. You know, what's next for Becca Blackwell? No, 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 no. Who doesn't hire me? <laughs> I, have, I have something, I have many things in the works. I'm, I'm doing a uh, Noah Bombach film in March that goes into production. I don't know when that will come out. I'm, uh, I'm developing with Soho Rep, um, a all-trans queer production of an American canon that we're not quite sure which one will be. You know, my dream would be kind of a hot tin roof, but I don't think you can print that because we haven't talked to Tennessee Williams Estate, so okay. that, that might, like, but but there, but there an American canon that you want to do, uh, you know, basically casting trans people people of color, people who, for those American canons, are never considered to be able to act. Right. Oh, that's exciting. That's very yes. exciting. Yes, yes. It's, uh, yeah, because I, you know, my dream roles have always been like Stanley Kowalski or a brick or those kind of things that, that you know, and I, you know, I, and I'd want to play opposite a trans woman. So that like the, 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 the you know, and, and, and it not have anything to do about, us being trans or queer, it would be completely about the language to play, you know, the reverence for the words, the acting. Right, right. Uh, something I'm working with is Soho Rep, um, and uh, um, I have, you know, other projects that are in development that are more like kind of based on my movement stuff, you know, um, uh, dealing like with my Qigong practice, um, you know, and I mean, and then I, I, I have like a bunch of small collaborations with uh, my friend Nick Zeke Owens and Jess Barbagallo. We make these uh, Schmerm videos where we use like uh, American films or, or, or kind of famous uh, Criterion collection films, and we do like 30 second to a minute kind of spoofs as like Schmerm actors. <laughs> um, that you can find on my website and then I'm trying to like branch out and work with other kind of like non-gender conforming actors and making them with them. Like um, my friend Jen Kidwell, who's in Philly. She's an African-American amazing performer, but she wants to do a whole Friday series for it. So it's like, yeah, I mean, so those are projects, but they're small and we just do them. I also have something called Snatch Adams. It's that time of the month. Um, we're on a uh, six foot vagina clown that um, I'm just a huge big vagina that my friend Amanda Villalogos made. She's a puppeteer genius. She did the puppets for uh, Amelia on Broadway. And she made me this beautiful couture 
vagina costume that's incredible <laughs> that has like pockets and like put tampons out that are like and babies and and my clitoris is my nose and when you squeeze it I can squirt at you and my um sidekick is Katie McCracken who is Amanda Duarte who um does dead darlings over Judson Church. Yeah. yeah 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 she's fucking amazing. She's like my Ed McMahon but she's basically a taint. So she's basically a, just a set of testicles that hang down from her ears and an anus that's like a crown on her head. And the anus has like a big like brown pocket you can pull like out of and toilet paper. But the two of us just have like a talk show and we'll interview someone and then uh, it's disgusting. It's called It's That Time of the Week. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's the most, <laughs> it is the lowest, lowest bar of humor. It is just, it's like uber raw on steroids. <laughs> so bad. I mean, some of the stuff we say, we literally make ourselves gag. Like at one point, like, he just like shoots cum all over my pussy with this silly string. It's just like the grossest stuff you can imagine. And I think it's just, like, two people that, you know, have vaginas talking like this. It's, like, right. some sort of radicalism, you know, because it's just, you know. And, and my friend said under the Trump administration, because I finally started doing these just in the last year, and they were just, like, it's just, like, the whole movement of the Me Too and Pussy, gra- I mean, pussy Grabs Back. And, like, I, we have a president who has, like, 16 women who sex, said he sexually assaulted him. And then it's, like... My friend Jess Barbagallo was like, if they can't keep it in their pants, then we shouldn't either. You know, like. Exactly. You know, yeah. Exactly. It's, like, it's just kind of throwing it out there. Like, you know, like I'll go up to gay men in the audience and I'll like make them find like parts of the vagina. Like, where is the inner lip? Go. You know, you have four seconds. You know, they can't get it right. I like, you know, put like menstrual blood on them or something. Like, it's just so oh gross. <laughs> I think it's perfect. As a Thank woman, you. I think it's perfect. I, well, it's funny because the, the women after the show come, they're just like, they're like, that was the most disgustingly delightful thing I've ever seen. Because <laughs> I also was just also like, what is the worst thing you can do to the two men? And that is to have like a masculine trans performer dressed as one with this like gay man's voice. Like I it's like I take the vagina and try to like desexualize it in this love. Right, right. Like, and showing what it does like in this way. Like, oh don't you hate it when toilet paper gets stuck in your pussy hair and someone's about to go down on you. <laughs> like uh you know, I make my guests change my tampon. Oh my god. So I they love pull it. out a bloody this like like glitter bloody tampon, they have to put another one in me and I love it. It literally is grabbing back. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It's literally grabbing back. Because it's based on Patch Adams, it's Snatch Adams, and Snatch used to cheer up sad pussies at Planned Parenthood. That was, that was her job. And then after, you know, November 8, 2016, she got laid off. Right. So she's been, like, trying to figure out her like new career and I think that she's found a very good one <laughs> well she just decided that everyone in America tries to have a top show if they, if they for their second career so she's, she's just trying to do 
She's trying to follow in like Wendy Williams' footsteps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is all that I have for you, Becca. Thank you so much. I love this. I don't think we could have ended on a better note than Indeed. And we're back. We are back. And that was my interview with Becca Blackwell. It was actually kind of like a Tom interview because we did get on there for a little while longer than normal. And the funny thing is, is that usually you're the one telling everybody like, oh, Tom's interviews are so long, so long. They are, but when you're having a good conversation, man, you don't want it to stop. No, it was a really good conversation and we definitely appreciate you know, Becca coming on to the show and, you know, hopefully everybody gets out and uh, gets themselves educated as well as comedified <laughs> on the 22nd, you know, and, uh, you know, that's all. That's what I could say about it, man. That's <laughs> right, what I man. got. That's what I got. All right. Well, Tom, let's get to that birthday. Tell us why your birthday was so awesome. I can't wait for you to share. Well... I would, but we're out of time. So maybe um, if you'd like to learn more about the High Regard Show, check out highregardshow.com. Or you can email us at highregardshow at gmail.com. And you could always give us a shout out on social media at High Regard Show on everything. And be sure to tell Kona, which is the Kona persona, how much you enjoyed her background noise. And there you have it. Thank you very much, everybody. We will see you next week and hope you had a great President's Day. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Peace out.